0: Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. Happy Friday. Sandy Max is here. Bob Raynard is in for Greg Matzik. Debbie Lozica's got your roads this afternoon. Adam Roberts is the captain of this ship this afternoon. And here's what we're checking out
1: today. This is the three. Three... At 3 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right, Sandy, where do we start? Today, a new area
2: code in service for Northeast Wisconsin.
0: It's official as of today. Some new numbers, depending on how many drop off and come on on any given day, will begin with 274. The new 274 area code prefix will join numbers in the 920 beginning today. Specifically, there's just not enough phone numbers available left with the population growing up there. So to meet demand for telephone numbers, new customers of the area will start receiving the 274 numbers. So this includes places like Appleton, Oshkosh, Green Bay, Sheboygan, Manitowoc. They will start to be 274. They're not going to say like if you're in Green Bay, you're 920, and then the rest are 274 like they've done in Chicago and in other places. Instead, they'll just kind of filter in. So and there's a, new numbers.
2: And then maybe in fall, Madison might get 353.
0: Could. That's right. Exactly. 920 was only created in 1997, before people in that neck of the woods had part of 414. So now after 25 years or so, they're adding another one. All right, what else are we tracking?
2: Milwaukee, a trending place to visit for the upcoming summer travel season, according to a key player in the vacation rental game. How about this?
1: Airbnb
0: says that Milwaukee is in the top 10 trending destinations in the U.S. So how Airbnb came up with the list is that they looked at the surge in city searches in the first quarter of the year for the upcoming summer season. They wanted to see where people were searching when they were looking for a place to go. The most trending categories when booking summer vacations through Airbnb are Terms like beach, amazing pools, trending, iconic cities, or national parks. Milwaukee, the sixth most trending summer destination in the United States. Joining a couple other places you're familiar with, Louisville, Kentucky, and Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. Near the top of the list. Laconia, New Hampshire, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and a few others. So nice job, Milwaukee. People want to come here. I love that. Good stuff. All right. What's the third thing we're, we're following?
2: You got 25000 bucks burning a hole in your pocket? If you do, the original racing sausages that burst through left field of County Stadium back in nineteen ninety three—yes, those originals could be yours.
0: Only three of them, and only three, and twenty five grand because there are only three at the beginning. To you know, we always it was just Italian, Polish, and brat. Right. So yeah, they are up for a bid. They look a little worn, but <laughs> a look, little crusty, a little gamey. <laughs> yeah, I
1: wonder. Do you think that they smell?
2: They have
1: to. I, I can vouch. That they smell because I ran in the broad costume one time when I was working for Fox Sports <laughs> Wisconsin, and just putting it over me, it is gamey. You almost passed out. It it's it's well they only have the little slot where you can look out, so there's not a lot of ventilation there. <laughs> and they told me they told me that they dry clean them. But how often uh-huh. is the key? Oh. Now, you're a tall guy. Was that an issue wearing the costume? Wasn't an issue. But but again, the issue is that it's it's like you're looking through this slot of a submarine. <laughs> yeah. So if you look to the left or look to the right to see if anybody's gaining on you, you can't tell. You can't. So you have to, right, Sandy? You just have to run forward and hope that you cross that finish line first. And they're 50 pounds each. Oh, That's yeah. It's a lot. Sure. And they're top heavy. That's you had to experience that. as a Brewers oh,
0: yeah. game
2: host. I mean, that was always like people are like, well, "What do you suggest?" I'm like, "Lean back." I yeah. wonder if they've
0: improved. They they no. must have improved. These More. original ones have to be different than what they're wearing now, right?
1: More aerodynamic sausages. Well, John. maybe a better <laughs> ventilation <laughs> at least. So for 25 grand, head to eBay. This is and you could own one. Reamon Lakefront Brewery to me. They yeah, oh, have yeah, of a for Yeah,
0: I feel like this could be uh-huh. a good
2: display. This would be a good appealing attraction. Yeah. Yeah. For 25 grand.
0: Could be theirs. It's 314 at WTMJ, the story of an American hero finally coming home up next. 70 years after he went missing, an American hero from Grafton is coming home, has arrived home, and will receive his military burial tomorrow. His name is Lieutenant Roy Harms. Vice President of the Ozaki County Historical Society, Alan Buchholz, discussed Roy Harms with me. Lieutenant Roy Harms is finally coming home. We're going to get to that part of the story in a moment. But take us back to August 1st, 1943 and Roy Harms. What happened on that fateful day?
3: Roy was a first lieutenant. He was a pilot of a B-24 bomber, a liberator. Uh, he was in the 329th Squadron of the 93rd Bomb Group. And he was stationed in Libya, near Benghazi. And he took part in a massive bombing raid on the refineries of Ploesti, Romania, uh, refineries that produced uh, a great portion of Hitler's uh, petroleum for for the war effort. And after a 1,300-mile, seven-hour flight, uh, they delivered and tried to deliver their bombs into the refineries. Roy's plane was hit by uh, anti-aircraft fire. Um, witnesses saw his rear stabilizer shattered. Uh, a round coming through the front of the plane. A horrific fire. Uh, he, as he came into the refinery, he gained about 300 feet of altitude. Uh, so one of his uh, gunners was able to parachute to safety. So. In theory, he saved a life as he and the other eight uh, crew members died that day.
0: Wow, so he crashes in Romania. Romanians bury the remains quickly there. They're eventually moved to a military cemetery. What happens from there?
3: Yes, after the war, the Romanians and the American grave registration uh, exhumed those remains in Romania and moved them to the Ardennes Cemetery up in the country of Belgium. This was done because uh, that cemetery had the best forensics at the time, which simply meant dental and tattoo and things like that. And there were about 80 sets of remains that remained unidentified, and they were buried in graves of the unknown. But fortunately, they kept record of where those uh, remains had come from, and they were exhumed uh, about nine years ago. They started to exhume them and began doing DNA testing.
0: This is amazing. So he comes to Nebraska and now he's identified through DNA provided by a family member and he's coming home to Grafton. Was Roy Harms a hero?
3: Absolutely. Um, In fact, there were five uh, medals of honor awarded that day. One to John Gerstead from Racine, Wisconsin, if you read the after-battle reports of how they earned the Medal of Honor, uh, Roy did nothing more, nothing less. Uh, in fact, he saved a life as he, as he perished. Um, He's 26 years old, and to uh, make that decision to join the Army Air Corps and put his life uh, on the line uh, makes him a hero, in my, in my mind, for sure.
0: I think you're right about that. So you and others have gone through this incredible effort to return him here to Wisconsin. Um, You're encouraging people to come out on Saturday. When, where, tell us how people can take part in this solemn ceremony.
3: Absolutely. Uh, There will be a very solemn, silent procession that will leave the Miller Funeral Home uh, on the corner of 12th and Green Bay Road in Grafton, and it will travel just nine blocks north uh, to the Woodlawn Cemetery. We're encouraging people to come out and line North Street, either side of it, between uh, 12th and 3rd. That procession will step off at 1115, and the formal cemetery put on by active military will take place in Woodlawn Cemetery at noon sharp. So everyone is is invited. Uh, We've invited uniformed military groups and service groups and scouts and so forth to line the cemetery drive, uh, as well as uh, uh, all the other folks lining North Street.
0: Why is this homecoming important, Alan?
3: Well, my opinion is that had had his body been recovered a week or a month after the battle, uh, the small town of Grafton at that time would have had this level of commitment and respect when he returned, and there really shouldn't be any difference uh, 80 years later. Uh, we have a bigger town here, uh, probably 10 times as many people, and uh, it's, it's just the right thing to do. And we have 47 members of his extended family, descendants of his that are coming from all around the country. And I think we can, we can look at them as the, the stand-ins for his parents and his four sisters and to show them the, um, the honor and respect that the, the village would have given them 80 years ago.
0: What does it say, Alan, that a few days ago people waited for hours in not great weather to greet the hearse that was carrying the remains of Lieutenant Harms?
3: That was pretty impressive. Uh, as usual, the airplane was three hours late, and instead of landing at uh, uh, around 6.30, it landed at 9.30, and uh, the escort by the Grafton police, the state patrol, the legion riders from all over southeastern Wisconsin uh, was, uh, was an incredible scene uh, watching the casket come off the airplane and then getting back to Grafton and, and finding out that uh, there was a large group of people still waiting at the funeral home and one of the most impressive things was that there was a a very nice representation of Grafton High School students who uh, stood there with flags, um, there's hope for our future.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Alan Buchholz is the vice president of the Ozaukee County Historical Society. You have been instrumental in making this happen. Alan, thank you for that, and thanks for being with us today. Thanks, John. Another thing that I wanted to make sure that we got to today was something very powerful took place here in Milwaukee earlier in today. It was the... Regional Law Enforcement Memorial that took place. I was actually out uh, near Wisconsin Avenue. It was so nice, so I just went to stand out there. At the same time, shortly after noon, that, like, 20 motorcycle cops and then police cars from several jurisdictions came rolling down the street. It was all part of what ended up happening at the Wisconsin Center to acknowledge those that had been lost in the line of duty. So the two sheriff's deputies that died in August of 2000 when their helicopter experienced mechanical problems and crashed as they returned to Milwaukee from Dodge County... They were celebrated today. Milwaukee Police Department officers Chucky Irvine and Michael Mikulski will be honored. We're honored as well. They were killed, one in a vehicle crash. One was shot in 2018. And there was a moment of silence today for police officer Peter Jerving, who was fatally shot just in February. Kind of nice to recognize um, those lives, those men. This that has been a heavy
2: sacrifice. year so far. Yeah, so it's uh, good that people can get together and lean on each other in that supportive way.
0: Yeah, it was a good thing to do for sure.
3: Wisconsin's Afternoon News on
0: WTMJ. All right, on your Friday, a couple of stories that maybe you have not yet heard about. In case you missed it. Florida. Deputies responding to a 911 call about a fight in progress. So they get in their car and they drive to this residential neighborhood. They race over there and they find the street brawlers were a pair of feuding goats. That's right. Deputies arrived on the scene and discovered a pair of goats butting heads. The suspects were apparently pretty mad at one another. (laughs) And the fight escalated into the yards of nearby neighborhoods. It was a messy situation. Both the hard-headed suspects were eventually broken up, and they had to take them into custody. They took them to jail because they couldn't find the owners of the goats. they took them down to the complex. (laughs) They were later able to make contact with the owners, who were pretty sad that they were fined. This is a real call. There's a fight in my yard, and they showed up and found goats.
1: And John isn't kidding.
2: There no you go. That was, the,
1: yeah. that was what we were waiting for. In it. case you missed it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is there anything Dolly Parton cannot do? The no. world is a better place with Dolly Parton in it. And if your kids like to read Dolly Parton, in case you missed it, last week she released a new children's book. Oh. It's for ages four to seven. This is the third children's book she's written. It's called Billy the Kid Makes It Big. Billy is a French bulldog uh, based on her god dog, her manager's dog. <laughs>
1: her god dog? Yes, a I've never god heard dog. that term before.
2: <laughs> Billy loves to bark along to country songs. Billy goes to Nashville, takes a shot at making it big. But bullies make him feel bad and take away all of his confidence. He gets his confidence back. Spoiler alert, he gets his confidence back Aww. due to good friends. So Billy the Kid Makes It Big by Dolly Parton. Look for it in your library at your favorite bookseller.
1: In case you missed it. Uh, Dateline, Akron, Ohio. So we didn't Hello. get to talk about, um, you know, May the 4th yesterday because yeah. we had breaking news. You know, the yeah. Bucks Coach fired. Yeah. Coach so you had all the Star Wars things going on, yep. including in Akron, where a municipal court judge decided to hold wedding ceremonies with a Star Wars theme. He married six <laughs> couples in a 15-minute wedding ceremony Thursday on May the 4th. And after pronouncing them man and wife, and doing all the other nuptial, the legal things, he ended each ceremony with, I wish you all the happiness. May the Force be with you. Nice. And and most of the couples, they were there for a reason, so they dressed up in their favorite Star Wars characters (laughs) to begin their life together as man and wife, or as... Robot I and Chewbacca. It's what? That's weird. It's yeah. Droid it, and sure. No, it's weird. It's, it's not, really weird. <laughs> it's not that, that is extremely name. weird. It's weird. In case you missed it.
4: Yeah. Well, some people in New Jersey found a bizarre way to pasta time last oh, month. Uh, ah, yeah.
1: We never run out. <laughs> yeah. We never
4: run out. Nope. Uh, <laughs> they were th- okay. Apparently, they dumped nearly 500 pounds of cooked pasta in the woods. Near Old Bridge in New Jersey. Now, though, now I don't know if you're looking at the video feed. We do have pictures up. It does kind of look like worms, but they are. It has been confirmed they were <laughs> pasta, spaghetti, and uh, the person who ended up finding them said it was like the song on top of spaghetti, all covered with cheese. It was, you know, she called it the mission impossible.
2: <laughs> Where do you find pots big
4: enough <laughs> I, well, to boil you know, that much pasta? They had dropped off about 15 wheelbarrows full <laughs> of pasta. No word on exactly why this was happening. It was right next to a stream. Bizarre. Um, and, uh, yeah, so no no words on exactly why this had happened. But, yeah, anywhere from 300 to 500 pounds of pasta left to congeal in the woods. People are weird, people. Honestly. <laughs> the great pasta gate of 2023. I don't get it. I mean, just pass the mm. pass you, the ragu. I lots know. of sauce exactly. to cover that up. It's yeah. just
0: impossible.
1: In case
0: you missed it. <laughs> it's 344 W2. I'm just trying to go back and think. If I told Michelle, hey, honey, I want to get married. You dress as Princess Leia. I'm going to go as Luke. Yeah. I don't think I'd be married no, right be now. Han no, be Han Solo.
2: You don't want to be Luke and Leia. That's... Is in the not, lore see, their brother see, and sister see, know nothing that's, about that's trouble yeah.
0: or you go as R2D2 I'll go as C3PO
1: Chewbacca is that in play I yeah. mean
0: any of that uh, teach their own I guess right Yeah. 344 at WTMJ we've got something cool up next the writer strike has been going on there's a guy with a local connection who is a writer for one of the big shows you see at night he's with us live up next on WTMJ Hollywood writers remain on strike, putting the fall TV schedule in jeopardy. And right now, shows that are live at night, like the late night shows, including the Colbert show, Saturday Night Live. They're on hiatus or running reruns because of the writer's strike. We're excited to be joined on the line by Gabriel Gronley, who writes for Colbert. Gabe, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Hey, we're excited to talk to you about the fun stuff you get to do every day, and we're both really, really intrigued. But I want to start with maybe you can just set the table. What's kind of at the heart of the strike here?
5: Yeah, I mean, the fun stuff that we get to do every day, unfortunately we're not getting to do it right now. Um, yeah, the, the strike is you know, every couple of years the uh, Writers Guild of America uh, goes in and negotiates with uh, the group that represents those studios and networks and, uh, this year, the, a, a contract was not, was not able to come, they weren't able to come to an agreement on a contract. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the writers guild is really just asking for a way for the writers moving forward to, to make a, a fair wage, uh, for their work. And, uh, yeah, the, the uh, the, the studios and networks were not really, um, receptive to that and didn't, didn't come to an agreement. So, Uh, In order for us to kind of continue on in these careers and to make sure that writing is a a potential job, uh, we've, we've had to make the choice to go on strike.
2: And will there be any movement in the next couple of weeks, couple of months? What's the what's the sense of it right now between you and your writer friends? That
5: much we don't know, which is uh, part of the kind of unsettling part of it all, is that we don't really know when things will change. You know, we're hoping that the studio is willing to consider the, the issues we've, we've brought to them and, and hopefully we can come to an agreement soon. But it's the, the, I really have no idea, <laughs> which is, you know, scary. all around. Yeah, it's very scary. So
0: yeah. you're a Wisconsin guy who makes your, your living writing, and you're not getting paid right now. That must be stressful.
5: It is stressful. Yeah, yeah. Wisconsin guy moved to the very expensive city of New York, and yeah, now uh, now find myself uh, unemployed until this is
2: resolved. How long have um, you been with the Late Show with Stephen Colbert?
5: Uh, I've been since the beginning, and I actually worked on the Colbert Report and uh, Stephen wow. Colbert's last show on Comedy Central too. So I was uh, I started off there, kind of just uh, on the lowest rung, entry level job, and then. Ended up being a writer for the last couple years of that show, and then have been uh, been a writer for the years since. So you're quite writing for a... student for like ten years.
2: Wow! Wow! Quite a success story from Madison. Where did you kind of get your comedy start in Wisconsin? Were uh, you doing stand up? What's the path for you? Uh,
5: my friends and I started a local cable access show when we were in high school, uh, <laughs> which uh, which we you know we used to kind of learn how to write and act and direct and produce and all of that stuff. Um, and then, yeah, a bunch of us moved out to New York, and we're pursuing that. And, and um, yeah, this was always kind of the path I really wanted to be on. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's incredible to end up at a, at, at a dream job, and, and so sad to have to, um, you know, uh, go on strike. I'd much rather be writing. What,
2: what is? It, it, go
5: ahead,
0: Sandy. say,
2: what is a typical work, typical work day like? I think a lot of us kind of have the fantasy of a bunch of uh, you know fun people throwing post-it notes at each other, you know, whatever those brainstorming (laughs) things are, you know, everybody cracking each other up trying to, you know, but I I know it has to be more work than that, but what is a typical day like when you are working?
5: Uh, yeah, it it is. Yeah. I mean, I work with some really, really funny, talented people, but yeah, it's it's interesting because you, you get into a work day and you're also, you know, you're just, you're working. So you're, you find like, instead of cracking up, sometimes just like, that's really funny. That'll work. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, for, for most of the writing staff, I, I kind of work on um, uh, like sketches, field stuff, and when we have guests come in. So uh, I'm usually working uh, a little bit ahead on things. But for most of the staff, they kind of come in at like 9 a.m. and have already, you know, uh, digested that day's news and uh, are supposed to arrive with, with some joke pitches. And then they go, uh, they do, They have kind of like a meeting at 9, then another uh, pitch meeting after that where they pitch things to Stephen Colbert and other people. And then we would usually work in pairs to write scripts and uh, spend a couple hours on that. Then scripts get kind of like compiled and looked at and re- rewritten. And then we have a rehearsal uh, around three thirty, and then things get rewritten after that. And then the show tapes around five thirty every day. And uh, yeah, by then you've <laughs> you've written and rewritten so much. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, the, yeah, that there. The, while it is really, really fun and an absolute dream job, there, there it isn't like always just sitting around a table cracking each other up. So, Though, so sometimes. <laughs> Gabe Gronley is with us. He's a writer for the
0: Colbert Show.
5: What's Stephen Colbert like? I, I mean, he's he's very much what you see. He's, a, he's an incredibly nice, incredibly smart guy. He has like um, he has an incredible memory, which is which is also uh, I think one of the things that really helps uh, with him in in uh, in performing. Um, but he's, he's, he's wonderful. He's, he's, he's great. He's like, you know, you kind of couldn't ask for a better boss. Does he veto a lot of stuff? Uh, yes and no. You know, I think there are certain things that he wants to talk about and, and things that he wants to do. And so, yeah, he'll, he'll make some, and there are certain things that, you know, comedy also can be a little subjective. So there's some things that he'll, he'll just be like, Oh, I don't really like that. <laughs> like, Oh no. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I was really trying hard on that. One. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs>
2: It has to be, yeah, I was going to think there has to be a little bit of friendly competition, like who can make Stephen Colbert laugh more.
5: Sure. I mean, yeah, you're all trying to like, uh, I think, you know, everyone, if we're talking about a certain news story or something, everyone's trying to come up with the best version of the joke to make that night's show and to make the audience laugh the most. Uh, so, yeah, you, you end up kind of trying to outdo each other sometimes, but it also was like a pretty supportive environment overall.
2: Have you been trading jokes since all of you are now not writing for air for the TV show? But this is such an action-packed news week with other things it like is. the Kentucky Derby and King Charles III. Are there exactly. jokes just bubbling up that you would love to tell? Because we'll listen. We were just telling terrible puns if you heard it about pasta <laughs> and
5: goats. I did. I mean, I don't have any great ones offhand, but I was listening to that being like, oh, man, I wish I wasn't uh, on a picket line and was instead just writing jokes about <laughs> pounds of congealed pasta in the woods. Like, that's, you know, that's what I want to be up to. <laughs> Got to get back to that.
2: Just the word congealed is funny.
5: Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, congealed pasta? Come on, that's great.
2: Is there a bit that you've done on the Colbert show that you are particularly proud of? If you're like, okay, if anybody remembers me for anything, this is what I want them to remember. <laughs> um.
5: I. Well, one thing I really enjoyed, uh, for, for better or worse, if they remember, it was a... Uh, we did like a parody of, um, have you heard of these these Untuck It shirts? Oh yeah. Uh, or or, yeah, the, the, um, Yeah. yeah, we did a parody of that where I ended up wearing a shirt that, um, buttons like a onesie, um, and was walking down the streets of New York kind of wearing, just pantsless, wearing a shirt that kind of snaps in the crotch. So, uh, the family was very proud, um, Uh, But it it turned out uh, really nicely, so I was was happy to be part of that. Hey, good luck. We hope
0: that this thing ends soon. We need you guys back working. Gabe Gronley from The Colbert Show, thank you so much.
5: Appreciate the time and
0: support. Thanks, guys.